last week I started with a, a story that was a great it was a great illustration of God. Uh, he responds to our cry, our brokenheartedness. Doesn't matter what it is or how ridiculous it is to anybody else. Uh, he responds. He does things for us, and it's you'll see you see this in all of uh, Bible history and with the children of Israel. What he would not have done with them, for them and was doing for them continually. And yet they found a place to complain. And in my story last week was my grandson, after having stumps, my stumps grind, you know, having a stump grinder come in and remove the stumps. And he fought me all the way of this tree that had fallen down in our front yard and he wanted to stay. I was prone to even let him have this tree, you know. But things had to be cleaned up and dealt with and... Um, he just cried incessantly over the fact that it was all gone. And it was a mess. It wasn't a nice dump. It was a mess. Dirt, which he loved. Holes, stuff, you know. Dangerous stuff sticking out of the ground, you know. Not, it's not a, it wasn't a pretty picture. And um, when I finally dealt with it, and Phyllis and I were happy there. Now we can just, you know, smooth it out, mow over it, not to mow around it. He was brokenhearted. So much so that he cried all evening while I was there, and then went home to bed and cried some more, saying to his mom, Papa destroyed my stump, you know, that thing. So the next day, um, <clears throat> I went out in the morning to the woods, found a stump, a couple stumps, and cut off a stump and hooked it to my tractor, got, it was pretty big, brought it back to the front yard, and I put a reestablished an old, ugly stump in the place that I had paid money to get rid of stumps and have two stumps there. And um, when he came to see that, thank you, Papa. But the whole point is how much when you cry out of your brokenheartedness, God, God responds. He cannot help it. However, in contrast, when we complain, that's not a good picture. It's never a good picture. And complaint comes up in the oddest times. I had read some scriptures out of Matthew, um, uh, Matthew 6, about he cares about the birds of the air. Like if he cares about the bird, how much more he cares about you? He cares about the flowers of the field, silly flower. He cares, like this is kind of crazy. It's revealing the heart of this uh, creator, Father God that loves, he cares. And he has his people of Israel whom he has delivered with power from Israel. They got themselves into bondage that he comes and delivers them with signs and wonders, right? Takes them on a journey. They see all kinds of crazy things happen. And in Numbers 13, at the end of the chapter, they send spies into the promised land, the land that was promised, and what's the report? There are giants in the land. Beep, tilt, that was it. They, were, they couldn't handle it. And they began, I mean, they, that was too much. After all they'd seen, they weren't in faith. After all that God had done for them, that was too much. We can't win the giant. It's like 
a good father having brought them all the way to the point, this point, is he going to let some giants eat up his people? <laughs> like, no, he would not. That's the truth. They begin to complain, and this turns into what is called, referred to as the Great Rebellion. They rebel against Moses and Aaron for leading them out here, and it begins. And they're, you know, ready to replace them as leaders, and we need to find somebody to do what? Take us back to bondage. It was better than facing giants. And so they complain, and I saw that. For some reason, I went there. Something in my thoughts, I went back to this thing where they complain. And I, I made the connection, and it's a scriptural connection, that tied to complaint is unbelief. That preceding complaint, you've quit believing that God can deliver you from whatever is bothering you. Your situation at work, your marriage, your kids acting up. Uh, things you don't have, things you need, things you want to, you know, all of these things, anything that would maybe tempt you to complain. And in order to complain, you have to leave this place of believing. You've got to get out of the spirit because if you're in the spirit, you would not do this, but we do get out, get back in the flesh and our thinking and our feelings. And we complain. We complain to God. We complain to our friends. I don't know what the purpose of that is. They usually can't do anything about it, but we're getting more people on our side. See, isn't this a valid complaint? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Let's find some more people to agree with us. This is a bad situation. Nobody having any power to change anything, right? Very, very seldom. You know, it's that thing like, why are you telling me? I don't know, because this my flesh wants to complain. Like I'm in a, I'm in this despair. And 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 I won't really feel better, but I think I need to do this. And, and we move into this thing, and it all comes out of this that you you're not believing, you're not staying in faith that God can deliver to the utmost, to the uttermost. Like there's not a limitation on what he can do. There's not a person he can't save. There's not a per thing he can't change. Do we actually, can we at least say that's true, Pastor? We do know that. If you're sitting in Sunday school, or you're sitting in a class Bible study, so is there anything God can't do? We'd all sit there like good little church people and go, no, he can do everything. We taught our kids that, whatever. And then we're in real life situations, sometimes not even that bad. We'll move into this. And it all comes out of, I realize, it's, it's about not believing. It's about not staying in faith for the issues of your life. And we can't afford to do that because this caused such a grievance with the Lord. Those people that entered into complaint, I mean, they were right there. They were about to enter in. They were about to take up occupancy in the new house. There just happened to be some giants in the backyard. That's all. Okay? When God says something that is yours, when he makes that statement, this is yours. That becomes the promised land, the promised thing, when he declares that, all you have to do is just 
kind of snuggle up to him and go, yeah. I can see Micaiah getting close to, you know, he has his million dollar smile when he's happy and when he's with Kenny and, you know, have this great big smile about something. Okay, we'll go ride on the four wheeler. We're going to, we'll do something, you know, and just boom. I'm with you, Papa, because what I want is, you know, that is the picture. Stay close. Snuggle up to him. There's nothing, even if there's some giants, you know, it's that thing when you were little, you go, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad will beat up your dad. Oh my, what we've got our dads into trouble over, you know? What we speak about. But it's true, your father in heaven will conquer all those things. Can you come? Wow, I had to, I don't want to get too deep into this. I kind of got lost in a thought. Have you ever done that? A revelation thought. How many of you come to the conclusion that the earth is a very unique place? It is. It's an interesting place. And then you ask a real deep question. God, what was the real reason you created this? I mean, most of us in the midst of our life sometime, we're like, could we have just bypassed this agony, this birthing process? This blood, sweat, and tears that we go through in this life of living on this planet to get to a destination. Could we just skip this? Go directly there? Yeah? Have you ever, like, maybe, maybe it's just me. You know, have you ever had that thought? Like, gosh, could we just avoid, this is full of temptation and problems and pitfalls and, you know, all kinds of stuff. How many of you have made a mistake and you're like, when, after you've made it, you're like, Oh my God, what did I just do? I knew better. Have you ever done something? Like sometimes it can be very serious. Like you go, whoa, where's my defense system? Where's my alert system? Like warning Will Robinson, don't go there. You know that thing, like what? Where is it at? In a moment you can cross a line and you're in trouble. Jesus has made provision for all of that, but the earth is a very unique place. There's, there's a necessity for him to create it. And then it becomes, you know what the earth really is? Like I was down the road. I was just into la-la land, but it was, it was good. It's, it's a human factory. That's what the earth was. It was a place to make man. Mass production. So he creates the earth, and then what does he do at the end of this creation? He, crea he forms the man, right? Some dirt, some water, some breath, and the man comes. He, he creates a man. And then a little bit later, he goes, ah, this isn't real good. He's only like half there. Most of you women would agree. It's not quite complete. Put him under anesthetic operation, knock him out, take out a rib. I'm glad for the anesthetic. Out of the rib, he forms a woman. And then when God's all done, he goes, there, that, that's, you're complete, you're whole. Now you have a helper to guide you in the way. She'll guide you left, maybe she'll guide you right, like, but she's your helper. Watch over her, help her. 
here created this, the earth is our birthing place. And it births us and it prepares us. There's a, there's a destination sooner or later of getting to heaven. Have you ever had somebody ask you that, that question? Why is there all this suffering in the world? Why this and why that? Why is a, if there's a God, why would he let you, why, why would he let these things happen? Kind of a haunting question. And you come up with answers, but you know, what, you know. And in my thoughts, I went, I've had different answers for that, of course, in my own little world, you know. The answer is, oh, you're talking about heaven. This isn't heaven. This is earth. Because on earth are people, and God, as he's created us, this is very risky, gave us a choice to obey or to not obey, to do a good thing or to do an evil thing. When we do good things, there's life. When we do evil things, there's death. And this and this affects everybody. My good works affect everybody on the planet. When I have when I uh, discover my calling, when I walk that out and fulfill that, no matter what it looks like to the world, I'm contributing life. I'm contributing something that matters, that brings life, that affects people all around me, whether I see that or whether I don't. And if I'm evil and I make bad choices and I do bad things, it creates other problems that affect all of us. Even sickness, disease, this all comes from what? From this act of disobedience with Adam and Eve. And the door it opened for the curse to come on the planet. In the beginning, it was absolutely perfect. Those things didn't exist. And then, have you ever taken time to think about the Garden of Eden? It was a perfect place. I'm not sure how big it was. We always think this nice, cute little garden, like, you know, in my front yard. But I, it was bigger than that, I think. A little bigger, a lot bigger. I may have been located somewhere in Iraq, of all places. Like, that's strange, huh? And in that garden was everything that they would need. Even the potential to sin. It had to be there. Like, God, why did you put a tree there and then you go, do not eat, <laughs> you know? Why would you do that to us? Because without choice, you can't exercise free will. And God, he needed that. Without choice, you can't really love. Do you understand? Not in a wholesome way. In order to say you love God, you need to be able to choose him and choose to do what pleases him. Choose to be in a relationship where you do your part to obey, to listen, and to believe. Yeah? And without that, you're just a robot. If you were created in heaven with no other choices, because heaven is a perfect place. See, as soon as something goes wrong there, eh, 
You go, oh, it never does. Well, actually, it has. We, we hear about Lucifer and this scripture about him. On the day that iniquity was found in your heart, what happened? Bomb, expelled from school. He has to leave because heaven cannot tolerate anything like that. Earth's a very unique place. It's a place where we get it worked out. It's a place where we make decisions. And it's a storyline as you read through the Bible of God dealing with his people. He loves them. He's taking care of them. He delivers them. He does all kinds of signs and wonders. And then they complain. They kind of ticked him off. He actually was emotional about that. That's not sacrilegious to say. It's in the word. He was angry with them. He couldn't believe after all this journey, having them this close to everything he promised, that they can enter in. They, they needed to overcome those giants, and in time they did. We need to overcome obstacles. It fashions us who we were. He could have had us born perfect, stay perfect in heaven, and not be able to love him because we would never have the ability to not to choose otherwise, lest they, angels when they sin, there have been some, there's been the rebellions, that can't be forgiven. They're not you and I. We're created very uniquely, and this earth is this place where we have to walk, we walk this out, we get to walk this out. And then Jesus provides this all-cure all answer, he gives his son who dies for us and sheds his blood that covers all of our mistakes so that we can still make it, so that we can receive from him. All that to say that unbelief leads to complaint and complaint leads to rebellion. And while rebellion's bad, it's like witchcraft. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. And I'm going to begin to read here in verse 7. I'll just read out my New, New King James Version. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness. So I gave you all that backstory so that these wouldn't just be words saying, don't harden your hearts, you know, make sure you're in belief. Like, it's a matter of life and death that you keep your heart in a good place. So much so, it's one of the things we should preoccupy ourselves with each other about. Make sure we encourage one another. Hey, where's your heart? How's your heart? You doing good? Not doing good? What's going on? Are you believing? You're getting discouraged? Don't complain. If they start, go talk to the hand. Don't do that. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. And it's really not good for you. Or do you go, oh, yeah, I'm a good counselor. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, tell me all. 
Don't encourage it. I've watched this over and over and over, how people share with me deep things, like hard things. I, it's cool. It goes with the job, you know. And I endure. I don't like to hear that. I don't like to think about you and things that, and I forget, like, confessions, it's gone. As long as you've repented, I, I'm like, Jesus, really, I, it's great to go. I don't see that in you. That's your past. Let's, let's leave it there. I see the new you. I see what you're walking. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cheer for you and champion you. That's, that's the past. You're, you're free from it. You're released. But one of the hardest things I have to deal with in the ministry is having someone bear their soul, sometimes ugly stuff, and find out from there and went to another person. They went to another person, the whole same story. Went to another person, the whole same story. Went to a relative, the whole same story. Like, and you go, this isn't changing you. I, I've been that person sometimes. And Phyllis and I, you know, church things, all you need is another leader saying, hey, tell me, tell me your, what's your story? And we didn't have the wisdom to stop talking about problems. And so out it came again. And how did we, we all, we'd talk about this. We'd be like, wow, I feel like crap. Like that, I didn't need to tell that again. It, it didn't accomplish anything. I need to walk in new things. I need to walk away from that. I need to move beyond it. Sometimes, one time, let's get it out. Let's pray and let's move on. I'm, I'm, I beseech you, practice this, because if you don't, it'll keep you in the same place. 30 years later, you'll still be telling the same story with the same feelings, and you won't be any more free. So don't complain. Don't tell your, your stories in that way. If you do, summarize it and talk more about the victory than you do about the problem. And definitely make sure that you're gracious with the people that hurt you and offend you. Forgiving. Make it part of your language. They were young and weak like I am. They made mistakes like I have. They didn't realize what they were doing to me. It was, I forgive them. I release them. Let that be your testimony, your story. Yeah, things went wrong. But it's in the past. It's forgiven. It's released. I want to build something new. I want to go forward. Verse 9. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. 40 years. Testimony, 40 years of testimony. Some of you have 40 years of testimony, right? You do, of how the Lord delivered you from everything. Actually, you're fine. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my way. So I swore in my wrath, I was mad. They shall not enter my rest. You want to enter his rest. You don't want to get that word. In other words, they died in the wilderness. Folks, I don't want to die in my wilderness. <laughs> no matter how I look at the end, I want to enter into my promise, not die in my wilderness. That means they didn't enter in. 
Beware, brethren, in verse 12, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And sin is deceitful. It lurks around corners and, wow, we make mistakes, we make bad choices, but when we do, let's move away from them immediately. And one of, of all the things we do, the worst is this unbelief. The worst is, is moving away from believing. And I've had to train myself. I, I wish I was good at this 30 years ago. I wasn't. I was bad at it. I've come to a place where I've, I've set my heart to believe things. Right now, the nation is rocking and rolling, huh? So easy to get all triggered about what you see. But I set my heart to believe the prophets and what was promised. And I watch it, and I only have, when people talk, I, for the most part, I, I just go, it's going to work out. You watch. I, be, I, believe, I believe it's going to work out. I can't explain it to you. I don't know how. It doesn't matter now because I believe something that's promised. I believe God's going to take care of this mess our country's in because it's for the whole world's sake. And I just don't believe we're at the end yet. I don't think we're there. I know. It looks this way. It looks that way. Whatever. I'm ready. I'm good. I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place to go, I don't think so. Not yet. I think there's more. There are things. And here's my biggest thing. There's stuff to be fulfilled. That's my biggest thing. There are promises to be fulfilled. There are promises in your life to be fulfilled. You're not done. It's not done. It doesn't matter what your age is. It really doesn't matter. Do you know that many of the Bible characters were read about and they had an amazing, you know, pass, touchdown, you know, that it was this little small moment of their life that we read and we know them, you know, the, you know, the history of that. It was just a little block of time. It was real small. When you look at how old they were, how long they were, it's just a little bit of time. It only takes a few moments for you to be a champion for the kingdom and a lifetime of preparing and being prepared, of working on your heart and let, letting the Lord soften you and letting the Lord bring you to a place where you can believe what's impossible, huh? Otherwise, impossible things will keep you running all your life. The promise is almost always sitting right in the midst it's sitting in the field of impossible. That's usually where it's sitting. That's the address. Impossible Street, you know, one, yeah. So learn to look at your promise and say, yep, this is, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If he said so, I'm just going to lock my heart. Do you know how easy it is to just... This is the rest. It's actually restful, that other thing striving, that it's actually restful to just go, God said this. I don't have to prove it to anybody. People can go, oh, you're hopeless. It's, oh, you know, it's, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what they think. 
We're so like, what do people think? I don't know. Do they write your paycheck out? Do they do anything that really matters? Let them have a bad opinion of you. It doesn't really matter. This is truth. Could I, somebody say, yes, that's true? Amen. They don't really have power. It's just a dissenting voice. It does if you allow it. The power is to discourage you. Now, that's powerful. But, man, if you remove that power, then there's like, they're just smoke. It's just smoke. It's nothing. Nothing physical. They're holding a gun to your head. They don't have, they're not in charge of sentencing you to life in prison. You know, they're just not in charge of anything. It's just an opinion, a thought. So get free from it. And let's watch over everybody, each other, day after day to encourage each other. And watch over this unbelieving heart that sets in because right after that comes complaint. And if that's let go long enough, you'll be in a rebellion. You'll get caught up in one, one way or another. They happen in churches all the time. They happen in families all the time. They happen in situations all the don't they? This is what tears us apart. When that, that, gets, that seed gets started, then it, you know. And now a flag comes up and another flag comes up and it's like, charge, you know, we're killing each other. And in the end, we're just a bunch of dead people laying on the field, right? But instead, to come to this place where we, we see the real goal, we see the real promise, we set our hearts to believe what God is saying. You don't have to believe what you don't know. But when the Spirit confirms things, just allow yourself to believe. I'm going to latch on to this, and I'm just going to stand. And it's not that hard. You have a couple bumps, you go, ooh, oh. But you get, just return to what you believe, and it's good. And you can live in peace. You can let you can live in this rest. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. That's where you enter into not having to strive and work and, and be in contention against the world for something. And this world will give you plenty of things to fight about, plenty of things to get all stirred up about. Come to a place where you believe and trust in a father that hears you go to bed at night and cry. Don't be surprised. If you just do that, if you just cry out to him, cry, on the, you know, cry out the name of the Lord, call out on the name of the Lord, and see what you find in the morning when you wake up. While you were sleeping. I love that. What is the scripture? I can't quote it right now. He, something his beloved even in their sleep. He what? Gives. Gives, Gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Yeah, hey, wow. So true. He does. He gives to us even in his sleep. Amen. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for this day. Thank you for this worship day. This day to come together, to serve you, to bless you. Lord, very simple. It's very simple. We catch ourselves in this unbelief and this, this complaint that is a symptom that we're not believing that you're going to take care of things. 
We can practice repenting for that. Like, I'm struggling with something. That's okay. You don't have a problem with me struggling. Just bring it to you. Lord, I, I need to get over this. This is bothering me, and I, I, it's not any good. I don't want to live like this. I don't want this thing controlling me and consuming the, me. I want to commit it to you. I want to give it up over to you. I want to put it in your hands. Then I want to trust that you're going to take care of it. I want to give it over to you. Just, just do that today. You all have a thing. Just simple prayers. That's what I live in, simple prayers. Just give it to the Lord. Here, take this. If you have to pray that every day, it's okay. You're striving to stay in the rest. You're staying in a place where you're keeping this in the right place. It may be a struggle for a while, but just keep bringing it back to this place. Lord, I give this back to you again. I, I, I feel I've picked it up again since yesterday, and I, I'm just going to give it back. I'm going to commit it back to you. You will vindicate me. You will bless me. You will lead me. You provide for me. You'll make a way where there's no way. You'll, you'll create finances where there are no finances. You'll resolve relationship problems, ones that I can't fix. The more I try, the worse it gets. You're the Lord of relationships. You're the Lord of covenant. You want relationship. Just thank you, Father. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. disciples were in the boat and the storm came raging up and they were so fearful of the storm and they woke up Jesus and he calmed the storm but the thing that I've missed the part that I missed that I saw this morning was this that the storm caused them great fear but man when Jesus said hush be still they were even more fearful of the power that was sitting in their boat. I looked at that and it says they were greatly afraid because of the power that was sitting in the boat. The Lord says, I am greater than everything you see around you. Hallelujah. daughter Ashley and her husband Josh had to travel to South Carolina this past week. Josh's dad had been sick and they called the family and said you might have a day or so to get here and uh, if you want to say your final goodbyes. Josh was struggling with this obviously and mo mostly with his concern was that he would get there and his dad wouldn't be conscious for him to speak some things that he that he wanted his dad to hear so I told him to go ahead and speak those things to to declare things out loud whether his father was conscious or not that he would hear them and he could agree in his heart 
and I wrote out a, a prayer for him about the power of the blood. And I, I asked him to, that he had to consider eternity and he had to speak this, just a couple sentences that I wrote for him out loud about the power of the blood. And that if his father believed that his sins could be paid for. And as I wrote that out, I, I, I thought a lot about how his dad would receive that. And then I thought about how I would receive it in all of you. And I came to the conclusion that we're probably in, in, in some form of a continuum. We might be on one end where we think of things generally. I, I've lived a good life. I, I think I'm a good person. I, I know I need forgiveness and I, I know I'm a sinner and need forgiven. And then you might be on the other end of this spectrum where there's just sin that comes to your mind that you might think is unforgivable. And I think wherever we're at on this continuum, we're probably focused a little bit too much on our sin. We need to be aware of our sin, but I don't think we're aware enough of the power of this blood. The power that's in the boat that the scripture Phyllis just, just talked about, that power is in each and every one of these cups here. So I thought about communion when, when you're in a position like Josh's dad of repentance, and we should be in that position when we come to communion, that posture of repentance and aware of our sin, but we must have faith in the power of the blood. We take communion and we acknowledge who Jesus is. We remember what he has done but we don't want to evaluate our sins to the point where we think there's something too big for him to forgive. It puts limitations on his grace and his ability to forgive, and there is no limitations. Paul said that Christ is in us. We are crucified with him. And in, in Galatians chapter 2, 21, he says, if we can achieve righteousness just by following the law, then Jesus died for nothing. And we know Jesus didn't die for nothing. He died for Josh's dad and for you and for me and for all of our sins, whether they're big or, or whether they're small. We don't make that evaluation. Come to the communion table and come with faith in the power of the blood that is in each and every one of these cups.